Hey, Dad, the other day I was riding my mountain bike on a um, deserted mountain just north of uh, Dawsonville, Georgia, uh, and there wasn't anybody out there, but as I was riding along, again, I was on top of a mountain, and I kept seeing bear tracks. Um, in the future, if I'm out there on a mountain by myself and I see bear tracks, what would your advice be? If you're – I would – I would. the first thing I'd do is I'd get me a remote control to the Dawsonville Sirene. Hold on to your butts. It's the Mastcast. On this week's episode of the Mastcast, former Cup Series driver Rick Mast and his non-driving son Ricky, that's me, are talking bumping and running. We debate whether or not New Hampshire is a short track. We're talking YouTube rabbit holes. We talk about some Bush Grand National memories. We share some stories about Harry Gant and everybody's favorite promoter, Humpy Wheeler. We discuss the big three, and we have an update on Rick's pet skunk. All that and more on this week's MassCast. All right, Dad, I, I, I will apologize to the loyal, faithful MassCast listeners out there. We took a little, uh, little, little siesta, a little vacation last week from MassCast, so I'm very sorry about that. But we are back, and by the way, it wasn't my, I don't think it was totally my fault this time. If I remember correctly, I reached out to you trying to schedule something last week, and you were busy or something. I mean, now granted, I did, in fact, like there was that one day where I was on my mountain bike. Maybe we could have done something that day, but that was like my one day off during the all-star break of the baseball season. So I'm just saying there's there's plenty, there's plenty of blame to go around on us having missed last week. It wasn't just all me this time. Just just putting that on record. That's all I'm saying. Let me let me tell you something Earnhardt told me one time, Ricky. Uh, I had wrecked somebody somewhere. In fact, it happened to his son, too. I had, I had wrecked somebody somewhere, and right after I got out of the car, and Earnhardt grabbed me. What are you doing? Well, I got to go up here and apologize. What's his name? Don't apologize. Why? Don't ever apologize. You wreck him, just go on. Don't apologize. Don't ever apologize. And he told Junior the same thing. Junior hit Spencer, I think, at Richmond right when he first started. And he was headed out of the car to go, go apologize to Spencer, and his daddy grabbed him. Don't apologize. So what I'm telling you, you, you ain't got to apologize for mass cast. Oh, okay. All right. Well, if Dale Sr. said it, then that's good enough for me. Yeah. Yeah, well, good yeah. enough. All right. Well, screw yeah. it then. Let's just get right into it. Yeah, that's it. it. Yeah. All right. New Hampshire. Uh, I, I enjoyed the race. Thought it was a good race. So what did you think of the track and the whole race itself and and we can get into the finish just before we get into the finish i'm just curious what did you think of the race in general and the, the condition of the track it was it was typical new hampshire i mean it was just a good big old short track race you know and that gets us into the short track conversation, oh but, okay yeah a big old but, short but track I, I like that yeah but but you know lo and behold that thing worked out to the big three again I, it was the craziest thing you know we saw you know, we thought for a little while our boy from Dawsonville might get it going. Chase, he had a good he had a good run going for a while, you know. And then, you know, we thought, well, it's going to be a cakewalk with Truex. And then we thought, you know what, Howard might just pull this off again today. And hell, friggin' Bush ended up waxing the field at the end. So, you know, just Harvick, Harvick. That, that that big three thing again. Yeah, yeah. Well, Harvick ended up. I mean, it was Harvick and Bush there. So, what did you think of? We'll get into the big three. What did you think of? the finish and the, the bump and run, if you will, to me, that just seemed like, I mean, it was aggressive racing, but that was just, that's racing, right? Rubbin's racing. Yeah. That was a, well, you know, I'm going to give you a quote. I'm going to do the quote real quick here early on this thing. And we'll lead into this. Here's a quote from a driver. What happened last week is over and done with. We race one week and we go on to the next race. 
Uh, okay. So, who do you think would Who do you think would have said that? Uh, read it for me one more time, please. Wait a minute. I got to put my glasses back on. Uh, okay. All what right. happened last week is over and done with. We race one week and we go on to the next race. You never get this one. Well, what? All right, give me an era at least, like your era. Before my, my you, era. My uh, era. Yeah, all right. See, I yeah. See, I was just figuring it'd be somebody that was kind of not soft spoken, but like or quiet necessarily, but maybe not always like a, <clears> like. Out in everybody's faces. I don't know why the the first random name just popped in my head was Terry Labonte. So I'm gonna go with Terry. You're Labonte. gonna laugh. At this. That was Intimidator Dale Earnhardt. Really? Yeah. I read that quote and I'm like, damn Earnhardt, where'd that come from? Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I tell you, I tell you, my philosophy on the bump and run it always has been. It was that way when I raced. It, it, it's that way. I always keep the same philosophy, and that is, you know, bump and run me. That's fine if that's what you're going to do. Fine, but it's going to happen to you. You know. If a, if a guy, I, I was always one that I raced people the way they raced me. You know, if a guy took to, if he took advantage of situations, you know, that put, put you in peril that you might have to lift. All right. That's what I did. But then I did the same thing to that guy. If that guy bumped me for a position at the end of the race, that's fine, dude, but you're going to get bumped the next week. And I always did that too. I mean, I did, I did it quick. I didn't wait. You know, I didn't wait two or three months to do it. I did. I either did it that day during that race or I did it during the next race, you know, unless it was a situation where, you know, it was a bad deal and you really had to make your case known real strong. And that, that was more early in the career. You know, once you get yourself established and that stuff kind of goes away, but these guys are all established, right. And they, they're doing what they got to do. And if they're going all bump and run, then, you know, that's fine. I mean, Larson did it to Bush and Bush did it right back to him. Right. And won the race. And then, you know, Harvick did it to, to Bush. You know, so, you know, it's just, it's, that's really a deal, Ricky. It's, it's got to be between the drivers. It's, it's not a deal that NASCAR can really, well, they can control. They say, if you hit the guy, if you bump him, you're going to penalize. We, where does, you know, it's like crossing the yellow line. Where does that fit in? I mean, where does that, you know, where is that line? So you can't, you know, it's not, it's hard for NASCAR to police something like that. So it really, you know, it has to be, it has to be between the drivers and, you know, if, if somebody races you that way, then that's just the way you race them. And, you know, if, if those two guys are all right with each week, whoever's leading, he gets knocked out and the other guy wins. Then the next week, the roles reversed. If they're, if they're happy racing like that, well, hell more power to them. You know, yeah. that's just, it's just, it's, yeah, I didn't see anything there that needed to be policed. I thought that was, that seemed fair enough to me. I mean, even Kyle Busch said after the race, you know, that's, I'll race him how he races me or exactly however he put it. But I, I thought, yeah, that's, that's how it's always been. That's, that's fine. You know, I didn't see any yeah. problems with it. No, I mean, we saw it at Bristol a lot of times. Remember Gordon and Earnhardt and Terry and Rusty and all that stuff. I remember one time in New Hampshire, uh, Gordon uh, did the bump and run to Dale Jarrett, you know. And I mean, after that race, Dale Jarrett was one irate race car driver. I mean, he Dale really, 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 lost his cool in it thing after the race was over, you know, but the thing of it is J the reason that was, is Jarrett didn't do that to people. Jarrett didn't bump and run people, right? That's the way he raced people. And when Gordon took advantage of Jarrett on that deal, then that's, that's what upset, you know, if, if you're one of those drivers that, that that's okay with the bump and run, then it doesn't bother you too much. But like the day, the day that DJ got so mad at New Hampshire, that's what that was about. Cause DJ didn't drive that way. You know, he's a very clean race car driver and he felt like, you know, Gordon basically dumped him and that's just wasn't the way he raced people. He didn't expect to get raced that way. So, you know, there's two ways of looking at it as a race car driver, you know, and 
you know, you, it's, it's you know, that's just what you deal with those things. Yeah, and I, I mean it's easy, and it's easy. I mean the purest, the purest of racers, they all say, well, you know, if you can't pass somebody, hell, anybody can hit them if you're a little bit quicker and you can't, but you're not quick enough to pass the dude. Well, anybody can then put a bumper to him and pat, make the pass, and and that is true. And the purest claim that's not real racing. That's, that's not what you do. So. You know, and if you go back, if you go back, most open wheel guys are like that because they know if they if they try to bump somebody, you know, they'd end up flipping and they die. So had to, like we talked about earlier on MassCast, you got to learn. And those guys like AJ and Mario, they had to they had to learn how to pass without hitting, without bumping tires and all that. You know, so you know that's just kind of the way it was for the longest time. And it just it seems like I don't know. It just seems like the new era. What's going on now? There's just there's more and more of it, and and that's fine if that's the way they guys want to race i got no problem with it yeah to me that comes back to uh to, to daytona with the three car went, went in and knocking uh basically knocking the wrecking the 10 car out of his or i mean getting the 10 car out of his way wrecking him to win the race and then almarola of the 10 car got out and said no i mean i would have done the same thing and that was i think we talked about it back then it was kind of like well that's i can't imagine in that that situation that it would have gone over quite as smoothly and nicely maybe say in your era and that's not to say that it's they're wrong with what they're doing now it's just the way it, it's it's the racing happens and that's not and that's that's something that that happens in other sports too i mean even in like i work in baseball well there's you know guy the way the game is played now is definitely different from say 20 25 years ago and strategy is much different analytics have come into it for but then the way that guys you know, perform like act on the field. And I mean that in a way of like, some of them have a little bit more flash with the bat flips and all that stuff. And the purists, they, they don't like all the kind of the, the, a little bit of the showing off, if you will. But I think a lot of the younger audience, younger generation, they like that. And then a lot of them, that's how they came up playing the game. You know, you show off a little bit out there with a little bit of flash and I think it's okay. It's just a matter of, you know, things change. There's different eras and the way athletes in their sport, compete uh, it, it changes the game can change and i think that's what we're seeing with the, the current style of racing in nascar it's just bump and run is not nearly the i mean you bump and run you could get away with it a little bit more and you could get away with it in the old days but nowadays i think it's a much more commonly accepted thing well and, and it started changing rick when i came through young as a teenager up through the dirt ranks and the late model deals and the bush grand national deals and early in the cup and all the cup series it it seemed like it changed a little bit. The problem was the bump and run thing, man, when you did that, you knew, well, even in the early days, Ricky, when you did a bump and run type deal on somebody, it wasn't waiting until next week to get uh, paid back. It was usually as soon as you stepped out of the car, okay, <laughs> then, it, then it was on, right? Because when you did that, you know, everybody's mad and you just didn't do it, do, do those things. And when you, if, if the race was, over and the guy hadn't caught you and retaliated then when you come down pit road and get out of the car then retaliations happened i mean i i witnessed it uh, quite a few times i heck 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 i lived it you know and so as time has went on the retaliation for 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 a dirty move or a dirty pass or bumping somebody the retaliation factor over the last 20 years 30 years the thing is really reversed you know i mean like man back in the 80s golly, you, you do that to somebody. I mean, you, you were going to get, it was going to come back to you either with a, with a confrontation when the race was over or right during that race or you the very next week, you know, it, it's just the way it was. So you had to be, you had to be real, real careful what was going on and who you was going to bump and run. And, and, and if you were willing to, 
to accept the ramifications of what this meant, right? Well, as time's going on and it, it started evolving and changed a little bit, it's gotten now to where, you know, you do a bump and run and everybody gets out happy, you know? That's a complete, complete reversal from, from, from what it used to be. But if that's the way it is and the two guys involved, again, are happy with it or fine with it, then who am I to criticize the way they do it, you know? The, the problem is, you know, in, in my way or – is, and there's still guys right today that think, you know, when you get a guy and you get to him, if you can't pass him, you know, you're not going to wreck him to pass him because you're not good enough to pass him. If you're good enough, you get by him. If you're not, you know, you got to suckle for, settle for a second. And if you're not willing to do that, you're just going to do the bump and run. Well, if, you know, if you do the bump and run, ain't nothing, nothing's going to, there's going to be no ramifications towards you, then heck yeah, go ahead and do it. You know? So, I mean, that's just, yeah. it's just, a, it's the evolution has taken place. Yeah. I think, a, I think that's a millennial curve is what that is oh you think so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe so well, you know technically i had to look this up a little while back like uh, what like what age range is a millennial and you realize that technically i am like at the very upper end apparently i might be the start of the millennial generation now, i don't really think that i would fall into what most of us would define as millennials maybe i do i don't know but it starts with around my age range and it goes all the way down you know where it ends is right about the age of uh, my sisters your daughters uh, that, yeah, that apparently, they, apparently your children, yeah. you have sired both ends of the uh, millennial generation, from what I understand. Yeah, and what's the new? What's the new one now? Behind the younger ones, is it? I learned uh, that in the bank. I learned is, that in the bank board meeting. Is, is it one of those generation letter things, like generation? Yeah, y that's or right. Some that's crap. what it is. Uh, yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. generation Y. Is that what it is? Yeah, you sit on a bank board and you learn a lot of stuff about these generational trends that people have doing their own their banking. Oh. That's a, yeah. That's a, that's for another. That's for another mass cast someday. My banking career. Yeah, your bank. Yeah, yeah. We'll get. Yeah, we'll do a whole show. We'll, that's an off season show. Your your banking yeah. career. Yeah. All right. Well, you hit on it a little bit there. Well, a couple things we're going to get into. But one, you mentioned uh, the the debate was out there. Like, uh, is New Hampshire a short track? Now, I I know exactly what my answer is going to be, but I'm much, obviously, much more curious to hear. So, hear your answer on this: Is New Hampshire a short track? Oh yeah, certainly. certainly. Really? Yeah, from a driver's standpoint. No oh kid. yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's just a big flat. It's just a big old one mile flat track. It's it, it it's just from a driver's standpoint, you know. Uh, I tell you what, a lot of drivers treat. Pocono, I mean, not Pocono, but Phoenix, like a short track, you know, I mean, you're running, you're running, you're running fast speeds. Yeah. But the way that, and by short track, I mean, here's what I mean by that, Ricky. Number one, your setup of your car, right? I mean, things have changed a little bit now, but you still, the, 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 the chassis combination you use for a New Hampshire is close or similar to what you use for like, say a Richmond. Now Richmond is a short track, correct? Uh, yes, it is. It is. All right. Hey, all right wait a minute. So, I'll say this. Richmond to me is the maximum size of what a short track can be. All right. Well, anyhow, okay. I, I understand where you're going here, but, but number one, you set the car up with a short track chassis combination. Okay. Number two, you drive it like a short track. You do rubbing, you get in the turn, you go deep, you cut a guy off, you do all this stuff, you rub up against him. You do the bump and run like a Bristol, right? And you do all these type things. And uh, from a driver's standpoint, it's just, a, it's just a big short track from a driver's standpoint. Now, from a fan's perspective, you know, I don't know what you guys call it, but that's what I call it. Okay. Yeah. See, to me, I, I think that three quarters of them, I guess I just, I maybe. So what I'm, do you call it? If it's not a short track, what is it? 
Uh, it's just a, well, it's not really a super speedway. It's just a speedway. That's what I'd say. I no, they, there's not the three classifications. You got short track, super speedway, and intermediate. What the hell is a intermediate? I've no, I, wait a minute. I said I, enter, 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 intermediate. Oh, okay. Well, maybe. Or inter, intermediate, intermediate. Didn't you sound like you said intermediate at first? No, you're, you're mile and a half Charlotte's, dude. Okay, well, then I would call it, okay, then it'd be an intermediate to me. Nah, it's, it's, too, it's too short for intermediate. Okay. To me, what's Dover? to me, inter, and to me, intermediate. Well, now see, there's another. There's a fourth classification. Uh-huh. Yeah, see, uh-huh. yeah. What's your Dover, fourth one? <laughs> Dover's a speedway. Ah, uh-huh. see, <laughs> see, I knew it. I knew it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. I wouldn't classify Dover intermediate. I wouldn't classify. I'm sure not a short track, but we always call it a speedway. That's what we always call those uh-huh. a place like Dover, a speedway. So I don't know what it is, but it's not a short track. But okay. It's the same size as New Hampshire, correct? Uh, they're both a mile, basically, right? All right. Well, as a driver, you go run a lap around each one, and then you tell me which one's which. Yeah. Now you listen. I mean? Now listen. I, I will. I listen. I'm not, obviously not a driver, but I do understand that that those are they are both a mile, but they're very, very obvious for very for very many obvious reasons. They're very different, completely type of racetracks, I guess. And may, listen, I understand what you're saying. What you're saying makes more sense. I was honestly just, I'd never, never would have thought you would have what said size it as a short is, track, but, it, but it makes is, sense. It makes sense. What, what size is Homestead? It's a mile, right? I now. think it's about a mile. Yeah. 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 All right. It's got big old banking now. Yeah. It's a speed. When they put all that banking in it, it become a speedway. Oh. It became a speedway because you got to set the car up like these high bank racetracks are fast speeds and all that. Yeah. Well, wait, all right. Now, wait a minute. When they first built homestead well first it had those square it was off a like... great big short track ricky oh really it, had, it, it well what it was it was a it was a it was a uh what do you call it it's I'm, like a shrunk a down miniature. indianapolis wasn't it like a miniature it, it was a miniature it was a miniature indianapolis is what it was yeah all right and then they then they i mean after we had the, the had some rough wrecks there and the tragic passing of john nemechek and all that so then they made it they made it like regular corners but still flat kind of like new hampshire right flat corners but it, right. it almost seems so flat that it was like i just don't i don't remember any, very many good races there when it was flat i know that much. it really wasn't it really wasn't i remember when they made that thing flat i was running along there during the race and i looked up and here come mark martin just flying man running me down and he went by me well they had a big old they had the yellow, yellow line at the bottom groove and then you had at least two, if not three, car widths of, of apron, right? Hell, Mark was on the dirt on the apron running. I said, well, this is cool. So I followed him, got down on the dirt on the apron. Three, three car widths below the bottom groove of the racetrack. I was right there against the dirt running around there. And heck, speed picked up like half a second or something. Hmm. You know, it was, a, it was a weird deal. Yeah. And it didn't last too long like that before they banked it. Yeah. Well, thank God. That, I'm, they, they took them a couple configurations, but they, they finally yeah. got it right. All right. But so anyways. All right, so we got all right. So to me, Richmond, th- Richmond's what three quarters of a mile, right? It is. That's that's to me. Richmond is almost bordering on Speedway. It's a, still a short track, but if by our current classification of what I, we've decided, Speedway is now a fourth option, right? With Dover, yes. Dover has made Speedway an option. That's correct. Rich, Richmond is right there to me. Then on the board, and I by Richmond, Richmond and Martinsville are always my favorites. They just they, they just are. Um, your three, your three short tracks are Richmond, Bristol, and Martinsville. Martinsville. Yeah, 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 that's that's right. Um, and yeah. New Hampshire. And so what you're saying, so you're saying it's it's the fourth short track. You would that's well, awesome. you know my, you know Rick's 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 encyclopedia or Rick's dictionary. 
Rick's as you well know, Rick's dictionary, as you well know, is a little bit skewed from America's dictionary. Yeah, right. That's true. So that's on a lot of lot of subjects. And <clears throat> again, to me, as a driver, a short track is about how you drive it and how your chassis set up and what kind of car you got to have. Uh, that's fair. I, that makes so, sense. I, I'm with you. I'm listen. You're the expert. And here. if you do, if you do that, you got it. You got when you do that. Here's the problem with that d- definition. You got to throw. Poke, oh shoot! I keep saying Pocono. You got to throw Phoenix into that mix a little bit. I could see because, that because because you you have a lot of short track tendencies at Phoenix. The the difference is that thing's got some banking in one and two, then that dog leg thing in the back. You know that you you carry more speed there, right? Than you do the couple of these other places. So nobody really considers Phoenix a short track. I don't think, but it's somewhere. I you know to me it's definitely a speedway, Ricky. We're talking Phoenix now. Yeah, Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could. To me, oddly enough, by all this, Phoenix. Now that I'm thinking about it, almost seems more like a short track than New Hampshire does from a fan perspective. Well, no, it's not. No, 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 no. I'm not getting sucked in by this. This is. Well, that's, I'm capping yeah, my that's... short tracks at Richmond. <clears throat> fan perspective. Okay. And I all think right. most fans would agree. Maybe not. I don't. This is all well, opening Phoenix- to me. This is first. It's 2018. This is the first time I'm here. New Hampshire is a short track. My dad drove in NASCAR, and this is the first time I'm now hearing that. The, what the hell did you ever hear it called on the years I raced? I'm going to, th- I'm probably, New Hampshire, it started, it was New Hampshire International Speedway, and I'm just going to stick with Speedway. That's what it is. Even though Martinsville is a Speedway and Bristol's a Speedway. What, 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 the people that's been arguing this week about it, what are they saying it is? If it's not a short track, what is it? Well, see, I didn't really delve that deep into it. I don't, I just, just the, see, well, here's the problem. I just heard the debate and I just assumed that it was so, so such a no brainer that it wasn't a short track that I didn't even feel like I needed to look into it at all. I just heard the debate and I was just like, but <clears throat> this is all coming back to that stupid ass, uh, is a hot dog, a sandwich debate that's been going on, on the internet for a few years. Cause to me, I heard that and I'm like, no, a hot dog's not a sandwich. It's a hot dog. Then I found out there's this whole sect of people out there on the internet and elsewhere, apparently on planet Earth, that think a hot dog is a sandwich. And it, they still swear by it to this day. And it blows my mind that people think that. So maybe, well, my, you know, maybe that's just my, me being stupid for not investigating the debate a little bit more and just assuming that it was like one or two people had this crazy notion that it was a short track. But let me, apparently not. Let, me let me try to help you a little bit with this I, i'm thinking back about this deal when i was running the bush series in mid late 80s all right we'd run the short tracks and i would run battle against sam Ard and jack ingram and tommy houston and all those guys and then you know we'd have we go to what we called ricky and everybody called it the same we go to the speedways mm-hmm. yeah he's a good driver but can he drive on the speedways mm-hmm. now my speedways in those days were when we run a companion race, it was Darlington, Charlotte, Dover. Uh, of course, Daytona Super Speedway. The only, the only Super Speedway is Daytona Talladega. You had short tracks and you had speedway. Bush, th- I'm going to tell you something. This happened a lot with a lot of the Bush Grand National guys in the mid late '80s. The the, the 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 Grand National or Winston Cup guys, they would they would keep it out. They knew who all these Bush drivers were. And they, when you go to Charlotte, you go to Darlington, you go to Dover. Those Cup owners, they would watch the the Bush race on Saturday. And, you know, they kept you out. In fact, that's how I got into cup because I was one of the guys when we go to the speedways, uh-huh. I Charlotte over all those places I could run with, with Dale and, and Tim and, 
you know, all those cats, Harry, those guys, I could, I'd run pretty good with them. Well, that was always a deal in, in, in Bush Grand National short track race. And you, somebody was really, really good at, at Hickory or, or wherever South Boston. Yeah. He, he, he made a name for himself and that was great. But the question remained, well, if he wants to be a cup driver, can he achieve and run good at speedways? Right. Mm-hmm. And by speed, by speedways at that time, it meant Darlington, Dover, Charlotte, in those type of racetracks. So that was ingrained in me that those tracks were always speedways. Some were sometime or another, these things, the speedways, some of them, and not all of you could do that, but some of them got classified as intermediate tracks. Right. Right. And then when all the negative crap started happening, they started calling them cookie cutters. Yeah. True. So you, you don't, you don't throw a new Hampshire in, in the or cookie cutter classification. Right. They, so if they've added something new, that's fine. I'll go along with, I'll go along with, with, with intermediate tracks or cookie cutters. Right. But you got to have a classification for some, for these tracks that don't fall in that classification and, or that realm. And that is speedways and that is New Hampshire. So there you have it. You got short track, speedways, intermediates, and super speedways. Now, you just called can, New Hampshire a speedway and you've been sitting here arguing it's a short track. Well, Ricky. Uh-huh. I'm trying to, I'm trying, uh-huh. you got, me. you're right. You're exactly right. Uh-huh. But, but, but I'm trying to get out to these folks out in the world, the real world, that there is another definition for some of these places. Okay. I mean, you know what? Dover's not intermediate. Dover's not a, it's not a short track. It's not a, it's not a cookie cutter. Right. Right. So what the hell is it? It's got to be what I always thought it was called for 30 years. And that was a speedway. Yeah. Now. Now, South Boston is a speedway. That's the name of it, but that's a short track. Right. Right. <clears throat> I'm just telling you right now, if you were, if you were a, a short track driver in the eighties and you wanted to be big, uh, you wouldn't make it in the cup. You had to prove yourself on speedways. Another and I heard it from, I heard it from everybody in the garage area from junior Johnson, right down to everybody I was racing with now. All right. Now. So in other words, you mean, and you're saying the eighties, the new Hampshire didn't open until 1990, but just for the argument's right. sake, let's say new Hampshire's open in that time you're talking about in the eighties. Right. You can't, it, when you say prove yourself in those days, that didn't mean proving yourself in new Hampshire. That meant proving no. yourself at Charlotte. No. Right. No, 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 no. New Hampshire would not fit that bill. You're talking about, Charlotte. you're talking about super fast, high bank right. racetracks. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. I, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think I mean, I'm sitting here messing with you a lot, obviously, but in all seriousness, I mean, I think what you're saying makes, that makes a whole lot of sense. It ain't really, because it may be in my mind, it's always been mostly about just what is the length of the racetrack that determines its classification. But for what you're saying is the way you drive it is how you classify it. And that, that, I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. The way you set the car, what type of car it takes. Of course, all these cars now are about the same, but your setup is more like a, well, with bump stops and all hell, they're all the same, right? But I'm just saying the way it always was till we started this bump stop stuff. You know, the way you set the car up was always, you know, you did it at Phoenix, you did it at Richmond, you did it at New Hampshire. Your, your chassis setup was about the same and you kind of raced about the same way you drove, you know? Yeah. So, so I don't know. I'll have to, I'll have to watch after this and see what kind of arguments this sparks yeah, amongst, amongst our peers. It's a fun one. As much, <laughs> as much stuff as we argue about in NASCAR and in auto racing, that's like, that ain't fun to argue about just, you know, what needs to be done to fix this and that and the other, this is kind of a fun little debate that I've you know, well, I'm going to start looking up more and see what people are saying about it now. Cause I, I just assume, well, I already told you what I assumed that it was kind of silly, but the more we get into it, the more interesting it becomes. So, uh, going into 
we'll get we'll touch on the big three thing later. But we, I will. I want since we're talking about tracks and classification of tracks, I want to get into the the scheduling and what should be done going forward because that's a lot of debate stuff. Oh, real quick. By the way, I fell into a rabbit hole on YouTube the other day. I forget what racing thing I was looking up. It's some old racing clip. I actually saw. I'd never seen this before. Uh, before we move on from New Hampshire, like I had, I knew that back in the day when they they built New Hampshire, what was then NHIS, New Hampshire National Speedway, and you guys were first raced there in the Bush Series in 1990. I had always heard that before that it was just like a motorcycle track or something. I didn't realize that it was like a full-blown kind of like road course and that the Bush North Series had raced there back in Correct. the day. Because I found Correct. an old video of the <clears throat> Bush North Series racing there in the 80s. I don't know how I stumbled upon it, but it was it was pretty darn good racing, actually. It was kind of it was kind of surprising. Like, it was, uh, it was a cool deal. I mean, did you, did you never – I mean, you never – obviously, you never raced up there or anything, did you? <clears throat> Before? No, right? not, not to the, the – not till they opened the speedway or the short track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> no, we no, we knew about it, and I don't. I think the first time we went up there, the thing on the back, it was it was a part of it was a, behind the back stretch up on the hill. Yeah, there was still part of it up there or something. I'm I remember talking about, and I think that's the reason Mr. Bear chose that location to build that speedway at that at that place because it was already some racist stuff going on there. I, the best I remember. Now that you say that, I'd forgotten about that actually, but yeah, it sure was. It sure was. Yeah, I think when they opened, and maybe it's still there. I honestly don't know. I, as far as I know, when they opened it and forever, that was they still had. Like, and you're right, it would go out like they still had. They integrated the oval as part of the the road course, and the road course went like it actually went up out of the backstretch, and there's a whole section up there before it then comes back into the. I, I've, I saw, that. I've seen that video, Rick. So I remember Dick McKay. I remember seeing Dick McCabe and, and yep. uh, Joey Carafas and man, there was somebody, the video Oakland. I saw though, somebody running the skull car that I didn't ever knew they drove for skull. It might've been Randy LaJoy, to be honest with you. Somebody, right. Ran, you know, Randy was up there running before he moved down and he had that thing. Chuck Bound had the skull deal up in Chuck the north. Chuck Bound, that's who it was. Yeah. That's who it was. It was Chuck yeah. Bound driving, who that's later right. went to win, went on to win the Xfinity Series Championship in 1990. He was running the skull car up at a, yeah, that's exactly who it was. And I never knew he ran the, the skull yeah. car. You know, sure did. A lot of legendary names ran those skull cars through the years, you yep. know. So, Beaver Dragon. I, can, I, I remember watching that video thinking, man, that's how those got dudes we used to run with. We go up north, but anyway, it was cool. But it yeah, was there, yes, it was. It was very cool. One other minor thing <laughs> I ran into when I was in that rabbit hole the other day was, you know, I've heard. I think part of it was. What, what, um, go ahead. Go what ahead. the hell is a rabbit hole? A rabbit hole. A rabbit hole. A rabbit hole I'm is, sitting there thinking. Of, I know what a rabbit hole is, but I'm right. sitting there thinking, what are you talking about? I'm, I'll explain it to you. So, right. if you go on YouTube and you're just searching for just just some video, right, whatever it is, right. Like, let's, here's what, you know what? I'll even walk you through what started it. Here's what happened to me and how I fell down this YouTube rabbit hole. Um, I was looking up, uh, I guess the other day would have either been, I think it would have been Richie Evans' birthday, the late, great Richie Evans, NASCAR Hall of Famer, modified racer Richie Evans. I think it was, I just saw on social media some people commemorating him, and I believe it was for his birthday. But anyways, it got me to thinking, like, you know, I've been hearing about Richie Evans my whole life. And I've seen a zillion pictures of that number 61, that orange number 61 modified that he that he drove. But I got to thinking, I was like, I don't know that I've ever actually seen footage of him actually racing anywhere. So I just hopped on YouTube because, my God, you can find anything on YouTube at this point. 
just to see if I could find something. And I did. I found this cool. It was like a it was a heat race, a modified heat race from, you know, somewhere up north where he ran all those years. I don't remember the speedway. It was one I wasn't previously familiar with. He started last in the heat race and running the outside line, which nobody else was running. He was in first within three laps, and it was an actual short track, by the way. That's and about. Was, that's about. That's about right. Yeah, for I him. mean, he yeah. was. We talk about ass waxings. This was. This was. This was a pretty good one he put on, and it was pretty cool to sit there and watch that, right? So I was actually looking yeah. up footage, and so then now here's where the rabbit hole comes in. So you're watching your YouTube video, right? And then you look on the right of the screen, or if it's on your phone, maybe it's below the where you're watching the video, a list of like other suggested videos that are maybe related to that one. Or, or like in the, or they, it's more like a, you know, if you're watching that one, then they got these other ones over here that maybe are similar to that, that you might be interested in. So then you end up clicking on one of those. Now, in this case, it wasn't, uh, this wasn't a Richie Evans video, but I somehow went from Richie Evans and then through clicking these various videos, I kept seeing pop up on the right. I ended up at a Bush North race at the old New Hampshire road course or whatever it was called back in the day. Okay. All right. That's rabbit hole. Yeah. All right, I got you. you All got right, I've done that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, everybody does it. That's just that's the term for it. It's rabbit. Hole. I got to tell you about the skunk, Rick. We talked about skunk a couple episodes ago. Okay, okay. Yeah, tell me you about know, the skunk. What's going the on? Dude, the, so the dude's out there the other night. He's eating cat food out of the cat bowl, right? And he most times you go out there. I went out there and I looked at him. He looked up at me. Well, he didn't look up at me. Man. I started stomping. He finally looked up at me. So I kind of jumped up and down, and he just kind of looked up at me like, "What's your problem, son?" And you know, most time animals like that, they run. He just, I guess he's, he's feeling pretty confident about things. So I'm like, you know, you're getting a little bit too confident. So I picked up a couple of rocks and threw at him and one hit him and it, it hit him right in the belly. And he just kind of looked up and turned his eyes and looked at me like, come on, big boy. Come on. Is that the best you got? So I reached down and grabbed a whole handful of rocks, right? And threw at him. And I mean, I pelted him pretty good on the side okay. and it hit him. Must've hurt him because he jumped. And he just turned and ran away from me a little bit. And I was kind of trying to duck for he's going to spray. And he got about five, five feet from that bowl and he stopped. He turned around and looked at me and turned back around and sat down and, and sprayed, squat and sprayed. <laughs> That's what you know. Well, what did but you think was going to happen? Here's, here's the cool deal. He didn't, you know, you ever seen a skunk the way they do things? I mean, they spray. They don't spray like a dog marks his territory. That dude sat there and sprayed the ground. Where was it? Right. So your mom wasn't real happy because that was right beside the house and yeah. she was laying in bed trying to go to sleep and the aroma went in. So I guess he was trying to say he, he does like me. He don't want to hurt me, but don't mess with him. I think that's what he was trying to convey uh, okay. to me. So wait a minute, you're so saying he, gun, didn't, he didn't give you a full on spray. He gave you like a little warning hmm. shot, like against the ground kind of spray. Yeah. I mean, that was skunk. you mess with them like that. They're going to turn, they're going to turn, they're going to spray right at you. You have to be ready for it. But he, he's. He's a cool little dude. Well, I, what did you think he was going to do when you threw rocks at him? Do you think he's? Going I don't to know. Away? I think. I, well, I don't know. I don't remember what prompted me to do that because he just. He, <clears throat> well, I think. I, well, I do know what prompted me to do that because I'm the man and he's a skunk and he's supposed to run when I show up and he wasn't doing it. Ah. <clears throat> yeah. I had to see where he's. I see. I had to see where his breaking level, breaking point was. I guess. Well, it doesn't really sound like you found it completely yet. If he didn't run. So, well, it's kind of like running up on Spencer and bumping him, bumping him until he finally gets mad at you. Yeah, you, know, you got to find that break. Yeah, he, just, <laughs> he turns around and sprays you a little bit. I, I can see it. that. Yeah, that makes I, sense. Find, find the breaking point. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we had the, uh, the the big race at Eldora. The I guess they called it the Mud Summer Classic there. For what are we calling it now? The Dirt Derby or whatever? It's just Eldora. We can just call Eldora. it Eldora. I mean, Eldora. I know they got all the marketing stuff for it, but it's, it's cool, however, whatever, whatever term they're going with. 
Uh, I watched it as I do every year, and I enjoyed it thoroughly as I do every year. Did you watch it? Oh yeah, just like every year I watch it. Thing that's that's a highlight, one of the highlights of the year, man. You got to watch the Eldora Truck Race on Wednesday night. Yeah, you got to do that. Yeah, you have to. You have to. So that <clears> and it was a very good race too. I might. Yes, add. it was. So yes, it was. So that uh, that then I think maybe that's I think it's like becoming part of the tradition of Eldora with with we have the Eldora race and then the tradition that follows it is the debate of having other series race Eldora and right. adding dirt race tracks to to the schedule to like Xfinity and Cup and all that. Now we'll get into what you think about that. I'll just me up front real quick. I personally, and I know Smoke, and I love Smoke, right? Like he's one. It, he was when he was still racing, he was my guy till he retired, and I still still love him. That's still a fan of him, you know. He and he obviously he owns Eldora and does a great job with that event. I mean, it's it's you, you, kudos to him for doing it. And I know he says that you know it's time for Xfinity and Cup to run there. I am more of the opinion that listen. Now we've talked about it here before. I want to see Xfinity and Cup run other places. I want to see some actual. Honest to God, short tracks come into the schedule. I kind of just like Eldora as just just a trucks thing. Me personally, I think that's what makes it unique. I think that makes it a that make that's the, like the trucks like uh, like crown jewel event, if you will, right? Like it's like their Daytona 500 in a sense. To me, anyways, that's the one everybody tunes in for. It's the one everybody gets excited for. To me, I think that what we should be replicating is not just getting the Cup Series or the Xfinity Series to Eldora, but let's find <laughs> other events for those two series. And I think we can e much easily, easier be able to like start with the Xfinity Series. Let's find other little events like that that are unique to the Xfinity Series. Let's give it a little bit more identity. Let's leave Eldora and let that be a trucks-only thing. And then let's start looking for other ways to get creative with the Xfinity. And then hopefully when this five-year agreement is up with the, the, the Cup Series, then maybe we can try to change that schedule up a little bit. But what, all right, what are your thoughts on Xfinity and or Cup running Eldora? Well, to start with, we could we can you probably put an end to it right now. I just read on Twitter a while ago, Bill France was talking or Brian France talking. I guess it was today, maybe or whenever, whenever the quote was from today or yesterday. He they were asking about that, and he says, "I just I don't see anywhere on the schedule in the foreseeable future to 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 be able to do that." So that that stops it right there, right? Right, that it stops, does. That, it doesn't stop the debate, but it stops no. about the, the the actuality of it happening. Uh, you know, the, the, the here's the deal, and, I, and I'm like you, Ricky. Smokes one of my best buddies, and I think everything he does for our sport is great, and it is. And the outdoor deal is a great deal. It's a great deal for the trucks. Uh, a couple a couple different schools of thought on this thing. My my thought has always been on this thing. Yeah, it's cool. You know, you, you kind of look forward to it every year, and when you watch it, it's 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 neat and it's exciting. Here's the way I look at it: If you ran that thing, if you say you do that, and you ran about ten or twelve races on dirt tracks like that, the first thing you know, everybody's going to get very very bored with that, and they're going to say, "I don't like this no more." The the people that complain now about everything are going to complain after. Probably give it two races. Probably give them maybe three races. Give it two third race on dirt like that. All the people's complaining about everything now. They're going to be complaining about this is ridiculous. This is this is going. You're going backwards fifty years and on and on and on. I know. I know. Right now, without without a doubt, that's what people would be saying. You know, uh, that's one aspect. That's one way to look at it. I, you know, Richard, the King put his stamp on it today. I saw his quote. Uh, basically, he said. You know, when they asked him about it, he said, no, 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 you can't do that. 
you always got to be going forward. If we do that, we're taking big steps backwards. Now, you know, where I know where he's coming from. He's coming from when he started racing, running these little crazy shitty ass quarter mile dirt tracks is made in a swamp, you know, with corn stalls growing out of the dirt and all that. And, and he was there from that evolution into what the sport is today. He lived through all that. So in his mind, you know, sports, the sport started out on these little short, short dirt tracks and has evolved into these, these magnificent Taj Mahals that we race at now. And in his mind, if you, if you, if you run dirt, then you're going back and you understand that's, that's kind of, that's kind of the way he looks at yeah, it. And no, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Ricky, there's a lot of people that look at it that way. And I'm not, I'm not taking away anyway, anything away from dirt racing. Right. I mean, that's how I started and I loved it. And the guys that do it professionally nowadays are, are they're, they're, I mean, they're very good race car drivers, you know, they could, could probably do good in cup cars. Right. But <clears throat> that's, that's the way a lot of people look at it. Now, you know, like with smoke, I understand his part. I mean, you know, it's a very exciting venue and what they do is very exciting. It's a lot of press TV deal. The whole thing works for him. And, you know, you know, maybe they could try an Xfinity race there, right? I don't know. Give it a shot. You know, the thing of it is, it's such a novelty, <clears throat> you know, and when the novelty wears out, off, it's like I've talked about our sport. Our sport become a fad and a novelty, you know, towards the end of the 90s, all through the early 2000s. It was a novelty to a lot of people in this country, and it was a fad to everybody. Well, that novelty and that fad wore off, and, and you kind of, you, it kind of left you where we are today, right? Well, I, I just feel like the same thing would happen if you go, if you go doing too much of that type of thing, right? I just, I just, you know, there's going to be interest when you first do it for the first couple of years, anything you do like that, it's different, going to be a lot of interest. And then as the novelty or the fad wears off of it, then people get disinterested in it. And then you're back to, all right, now, what do we do? What do we do next? What's the next thing we do? So, you know, I, I don't, <clears throat> yeah, I would love to see one. I'd love to see 36 cup cars running that track I, you know i just i'd love to just for the racing the racing part i'd love to see that for the racing part i don't know how that would sell to corporate america and and and, and tv and the the I, i'm just not sure how that would be taken and, and and some of the folks i talk to that are really more knowledgeable about this type of thing than me you know they all kind of a lot of the folks i talk to feel like or put it this way they're kind of in line with what richard petty said Right. Mm. They, they just felt, it feel like you're taking a step back, but the race in itself, it would be great. Yeah. See, I, I'm, and where I was going with all this is I, I like the, not just trucks at Eldora. When I said, I want the other series to look at going other types of places, have unique events. I honestly, as far as the dirt thing, I would be perfectly okay with just the trucks running Eldora and that being the only dirt race on the, the schedule of all three top series. I just, I don't, when I, when I think about sprucing up the schedule and see, this is where, it's one. Of, I had a weird moment. I was reading this article. It's in uh, on Auto Week, and it was it, with an interview with Kyle Busch and what he was talking about. I think they're kind of asking him about this deal of running the Cups or Xfinity at uh, at Eldora, and he was pushing for like yeah, he wasn't knocking the race. I think he likes it, but he the the trucks race there. But he was what he was saying, and what I again, it's one of those weird moments where I'm like, I can't believe I am completely agreeing with Kyle Busch on this, but I think he's nailed it. He thinks that trucks and Xfinity should, he's, I think trucks and Xfinity should be doing more short tracks than the mile and a half stuff. Trucks and Xfinity, and this is the key point here, should go to Pensacola. They should go to Nashville, South, South Boston, Hickory. 
those are the type of places I'd like to see. If you're going to experiment with the other series, those are the types of places I want to see them go to. I don't want, I got to be honest. I just, I love the truck race at Eldora. I would maybe be curious to see Xfinity run it once. I guess for the pure novelty and show of it, it would be kind of fun to see the cup cars run, run a dirt track once. But ultimately if, if I would just prefer it to stay just a trucks thing, because even though it's, it's, like let's say was it four or five years in now? No, that's the fourth truck? time. That's the fourth. That's the fourth time you've done said that, Ricky. You get your point, Crossstream. These these mass fans are sitting here listening patiently to, to to something new. So give us something new. Well, no, I'm saying that the the way it is now, like it's 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 they've run it a few times now, and it's not. Yep. It's still kind of a, a it's special enough in that it's only once a year that that, that it's it, the novelty of it hasn't worn off to me is what I'm saying because it's just it once won't. a year. It won't because they run once a year. It's correct. Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying with the other series, if then they need to be looking at short tracks that are that are paved short tracks. Is what I'm getting at. Not, you know, not dirt. you know, to go to to your point in the, it, it has a lot to do with sponsorship and money. But man, when we when we were running the Bush series, you know all the tracks we ran from from Florida to Maine, all the Saturday night short tracks. That was your Bush series. The big races were at these speedways, right? A half a dozen of them a year. But everything else was at Hickory and, and, and Oxford, Maine, right. And, and, and Jeffco, Jeffco, Georgia, and all these places up and down the East coast. And we run out to Milwaukee and we get out there a little bit. And those were the races. Then when we got the cup, when I was racing in cup in the nineties, you know, that thing started changing and they started adding more and more and more companion events to the, to the Bush series or Xfinity series to where now it's nothing but companion races basically but in the mid 90s when they started that truck series the truck series mimicked it really mimicked the way the bush grand national series was in the 80s in that they ran i remember many times being being at the cup racetrack you know on a friday night or saturday night or whatever and being in the motorhome you cut the tv on and you're watching you watch the skinner and hornaday racing in evergreen evergreen right or irvindale california all, all these little obscure racetracks all across the country and but the neat part about it, that the, they were they were showing them on TV, and the, the TV ratings were good for those race tracks, or good for those races, and the the, the, the fans were or the stands were packed. Now it might not be but five thousand people or grandstand people or five thousand grandst or not for five thousand people, but they were packed. Or it might be ten thousand at some of them, but they were packed, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I I've always felt over the years. That, that that's still what needs to, that's what needs to happen. If not the if not the trucks, or if not the the Xfinity series, at least the truck series. And the re here's the reason I say that I would love for the truck series and the Xfinity series to get back to those type of, of racetracks on their schedule. You know, and the downside is what these teams are commanded from what they're getting from sponsors to, to run these races because everything's all set up you got the same tv crew there if you're at darlington you run an xfinity race on saturday the cup race on sunday well everything's there the sponsors it's a lot of a lot of financial intermingling goes on with this deal right well that that that's the downside to try to to change that schedule of those type tracks the upside is this and it's a thing we always preach and always preach is you got if you've got these Xfinity Series guys running at a short track on Saturday night and you do it all year long and you do it for four or five years all across the country, all the little short tracks, what are you doing? You're building up this short track fan base. 
And, and to me, it's always been this way. To me, the short track fan base has always been the Cup Series fan base. These people would go to these tracks on Saturday night and watch these races, right? And get and, and get all charged up about the race, and then they would they would watch the race on Sunday or come to the event. We talked about this a while back. I I mean, I saw it happen. I talked to people that you know, literally thousands of people that did that all the time. And it didn't even have to be an Xfinity race or in those days a bush race. It could be, you know, your local short track at a place near Pocono or whatnot or whatever. And they would come to the Saturday night race and get excited. And what happens, the other thing that goes on, and, and the one thing, you can really dive deep into this and the way the thinking is, Ricky. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the thought processes that you hear about from people are the, they had drivers they followed at these short tracks or on the Bush Grand National Series. They'd follow them and, and they'd be able to go Saturday night near their home and watch them race. And they, they'd pick out a favorite driver and he would, he would start doing pretty good. First thing you know, that guy was in the Cup Series. Okay. And then he became a fan of the Cup Series because he followed that driver at the short tracks. Yeah. So that, that went on a lot. I, you know, so many of our Cup drivers, when they got the Cup, the, or at least the fans in the Southeast, they had witnessed that guy probably a dozen times or more racing at his local short track. And they became a fan and went to cup. He became a fan and just, it just, it just snowballed with everybody to do that. And you know, the way it is now, when a guy gets the cup, nobody's ever heard of him for the most part, you know, I mean, well, the, I shouldn't say that the guys, they run out 10 years old running go-karts and then starting with those, those other series. And the time they're 18, they're put in a cup card. 20 well they didn't have 10 years to build a fan base to to really follow them you know with a passion because you gotta you gotta remember these fans in those days man when they had a driver i mean it was and it's still that way today they won't get me wrong but it's a passion with them but they, they they become a fan by watching the race on sunday on tv and they like they pick out a driver and say i like him but they're not as passionate as they used to be about drivers and and, and a lot of that was because they were able to witness these guys run at a short track near their home, right? And it, it, it built it to me. You know, if you want to build up a fan base, if you figure out how the money thing would work for these teams to support themselves, you you have you change the schedule back, put the truck schedule back the way it was when they first started, put the put the Xfinity Series back the way it was in the you know mid late mid eighties, late eighties before it. And just try it for a couple of years to see yeah. what happens. I like that. See, I like that idea a lot because for well, for logistical reasons, first of all, it's it's hard to as much as I'd like to see the Cup Series run more short tracks and that sort of deal. It's it's harder to do that for a myriad of reasons. But I would think and hope that it would be much easier to start putting the Truck Series and Xfinity Series back. I mean, you just nailed it. The way the Truck Series was in the '90s, where I'll be honest, when the Truck Series first came around in 95, I guess it was, they were running racetracks I never even knew existed or had heard well, of. Well, me too. Me too. I thought I'd run all of them until the truck started running. Right. Hammers, all mean, these tracks I never even heard of. I mean, they're out there running in somewhere in the Midwest at some place I've never seen or heard of before. They're running in the state of Washington somewhere, and it was it was cool. And remember when the Truck Series first started? Remember it was, uh, if I remember correctly, they, they didn't have pit stops. You just had, no, like, if you had no a 300 lap race. And then you had a, a, a basically a red flag stop at lap 100, one lap 200, where you'd come in, work on the truck. I just wonder if, you know, if you maybe if you kind of go back to that format where you're limiting the cost a little bit for some of these teams. I mean, what you mentioned there about how much money they're having to ask for for sponsorship. What if, as part of this deal, if we're shifting the truck series, say, back to some of these smaller tracks, you also make, make some rule changes that very cuts way down on the amount of money it takes to race and race competitively. 
I think that would be a good move too also because maybe you're allowing some other people that otherwise can't break in that deserve a shot at it. Maybe then they're able to break in and get a little bit of national exposure. Yeah, way. I mean, for the Bush series, we went, through a, we went through a period of time where you, you uh, whatever race, whatever tire you started that race on, you finished on. Right, a lot of those short tracks you'd run 200 laps. You never changed tires. That that happened. I mean, when the late model deal was going on before the Bush Series, I mean, well, okay, everybody's changing tires all the time. And the Bush Series started. I can't remember exactly the the time frame of all this. We went through a period where we didn't, you know, we couldn't even change tires in some of the racetracks. You you ended up what you started on, and you learned how to. You kind of learned how to to serve your tires, and that that was wild too because we had all these very 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 aggressive race car drivers trying to figure out, you know how to be aggressive and also how to still have tires on your car when the race is over, which in those days was a big deal in, in Winston cup or cup racing. You know, you had to learn how to, if you don't believe me, watch days of thunder, they'll teach you all that. Right. But, yeah. but, but yeah, you could do that and you could limit them. You know, you, you, you got two sets of tires. That's it. You know, I think the way it was, we had three sets of tires. Well, I think we'd show up and you could buy a maximum of three sets of tires for that whole weekend, you know, but the whole weekend consisted a lot of times of one day or a day and a half. So, you practice on a set, and then it got to where you qualified whatever set you qualified on. That's where that's the ones you had to race on, and so that you know that that cut the tire bill way out. But we, of course, over the years we got away from all that, you know. And now, now surprisingly enough, the Cup Series has gone back to that at some of these places. You know, they they have a maximum set of tires you can use for the week. Well, you know, you, you get into a whole, whole myriad of things you can do. You know, it, it's just that to me the the the, the sole reason for doing that would be to start building our fan base again the way it used to be structured uh yeah you know if they if if the powers that be feel like that's not correct way to do it nowadays that you are that that it wouldn't work the same way today as it did in those days and then that's fine those those people know more about it than i do but you know for interest if you have every weekend you know on friday night you're gonna cut the tv on and you're gonna see the uh trucks at evergreen you go on saturday night you'll cut it on you see xfinity cars at South yeah, Boston whatever. or something, yeah. South right. Boston, yeah, right. wherever, or anywhere, Amarillo, San, San Antonio, whatever, right? You know, it, it, it'd be an exciting thing to, to look forward to every week as a race fan to cut that TV on and see where are they at this week? What kind of short track is this? It, it, it'd be a cool thing. Plus, the other side of it is they, they would probably start filling up the stands at these little racetracks when they did that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, who, who knows? I mean, what I read in the statement Brian France said, you know, I don't see any possible. Basically, he just said we ain't changing the schedule for a good while. Okay, yeah, no, so everything we're, everything we're talking about here is just bullshit. Yeah. Anyhow, well, it's no, no, wait a minute. See, I, no, I see. I think, and I should have prefaced all this by saying that none of this is something that can happen overnight or next year or anything like that. But I do think that it's good that we're having the debate and the discussion now because it's we can start to figure out now. Like what we're gonna do going down the going down the line. I think everybody agrees we do need to make some changes here or there, at the very least. So I think that if we're having the debate now and we're having the discussion now, then that's it's okay if we can't do anything for a couple of years. I mean, if you want to try stuff, it's pre- you prefer to do it sooner rather than later. But at least let's go ahead and start talking about it now, and then maybe when when we're at a place where we are able to change it, we'll be better set up to be able to make make these changes <clears throat> and, and experiment with these different things. I mean, that's, that's all I'm saying. I, I do think. That well, I'm going to tell you something, though, Ricky, we're being a little bit hypocritical because really, you know, when you do that, you're going to, you're going to be saying that, you know, you, maybe you're taking a step backwards and that's being hypocritical by statement I just made about, 
not running these guys on dirt because you're going, you're taking the sport back instead of moving forward. Right? I see, I but don't... we're talking about, we're talking about cup series again. See, that's the other thing. Cup series is the elite series, man. It's elite. It's elite series in this country, you know, and, and we we're you know, you always cup series always stood on a pedestal, you know, that's why if you're at Bush series, you were running Hickory in South Boston and you were doing everything you can to get in the cup series to run Charlotte and Daytona and Dover because you wanted to be in the elite, the elite group, but you had to work yourself up to that and get to that. And now what we've got, we show up, at, you show up at wherever, you know, any of these racetracks and trucks run there Friday, Xfinity runs Saturday, cup runs Sunday. So, I mean, where, you know, what, you know, where's the line at here? And where, yeah. so, so, but are we backing up the sport by putting these, these series at these short tracks? Are you backing up, you know? I don't think so. I don't, I, 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 you know, the problem I have, Ricky, is what I was, what I came through and what I witnessed and what worked and the way it worked, you know? And so I have to try to figure out in my mind, well, is that same model, will that same model work in 2020? Who knows? There are people smarter than me that probably have some of this figured out. Yeah, I think, uh, and, and you're right. And the more I sit here and think about it, even if, I, if I'm referring to the Cup Series, like the heyday of the Cup Series, let's say the late 80s on into the 90s or, or, or whatever, it's not like there was a whole bunch of, there was what, North, bunch of short tracks that we don't already have now. It's North Wilkesboro, and well, basically that's it, as far as I can remember off the top of my head, in the Cup Series. So, so maybe the the thing that we're talking about here is not so much altering the cup schedule as it is. We got three national series right now, and as far as I could, there two of them don't really have their own identity, as far as I can no, tell. In my no. opinion, and they and the sad part is they used and to. they used to and they you, used there to. was a time where you could you had all three, and each of them had their own unique identity. Now listen, maybe most guys were all were trying to work their way through the the lower two to get to the top one. But, you know, well, here's a good way of putting it. I know when, when somebody doesn't know anything about NASCAR, but they know or they find out that, that my dad was a NASCAR driver back in the day, and then they'll ask, well, would, did he, well, how many wins did he have at this or whatever? I was like, well, he never never won the Cup, but he won, you know, nine times in what was called the Bush Series. And they're like, well, what is that? Is that like the AAA series? Like in baseball terms, like, you know, baseball, you got single A, double A, triple A, and then you get to the majors. And I'm like, well, yeah, kind of. I was, but it, when then when I get into the deeper discussion with people, I'm like, but when he was coming along, the Bush Grand National Series, what is now the Xfinity Series, is, yeah, you had guys like yourself that were using it to try to get to the Cup Series. But I would argue you had guys in the Bush Grand National Series that didn't have any desire to go to the Cup Series. Oh they yeah, were, oh, they yeah. were happy because at that time the Bush Series was kind of the elite of the. I mean, yeah, they ran speedways. They ran to, you know, Charlotte and that kind of deal. But it was really kind of, from my mind, the elite short track, premier short track series of the United States in the country. <clears throat> and there were guys who were just happy, who, were just, who just wanted to be, there. you know, let's see, what, Tommy Houston, uh, Jack Ingram, those kind of guys, right? I mean, that's a pretty fair statement, right? That, and that kind of gave it its own unique identity. You had guys that were Bush Grand National guys that won that series championship and that weren't trying to get anywhere beyond that. And they ran different tracks. They ran you ran some companion events with the Cup Series, but they but the, that series ran plenty of its own where it was the headliner on Saturday night or whatever. Oh yeah, and people were coming out and were diehard Jack Ingram fans and Tommy Houston fans and Sam Ard and Jimmy Hensley and and all Tommy the Ellison. Tommy Ellison. Oh, God. Whole host oh yeah, yeah, a whole host of them. <laughs> and we don't have that now. 
from 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 what I can tell. That's not to say we don't have great talent in the Xfinity series, the truck series, because Lord knows we definitely do, right? But we just the, the series itself doesn't have those series themselves don't have that identity. So maybe that's if we can't make major alterations to the Cup schedule, and I know we can at least for a couple of years, and probably won't when that that couple of years is over. Maybe we can look at some some major changes to those lower two series. Maybe that helps fix a lot of things. I don't. Maybe we just saw it, it all here in the last half hour. I don't know. Well, I, you know, uh, to to prove your point a little bit, <clears throat> I was one of the guys that kind of got in trouble with some of the main state guys. I mean, we we were like a family. You're like it's kind of like in Cup. You're a traveling circus man, and in, in those days all through the eighties, you know, we'd all do the same things. You have your truck and your trailers, and you load your crap up, and you drive all night long to get to the short track somewhere. You know, you'd all be in the same motel together for the week or weekend for the night or whatever. And everybody did the same thing. So you kind of, you kind of become, you know, you kind of become pretty close to it. You'd have your problems with different guys, you know, for wrecks and whatever's and all that would go on normally. But for the most part, everybody kind of, you know, you kind of looked after each other. You're kind of family. Well, the, the big deal was we would go to, you know, we would go to a Jeffco, Georgia or whatever for a Saturday night racetrack or race. And that thing would pay you know, $2,500, $2,000. That was a big deal. $2,000 to win. And it first would break back. Right. And all those races were structured. Basically the pay was the same, the way you got paid. Well, then you go to Charlotte, man, you'd be like $10,000 to win the race. I mean, and all the way back through the, all the starting positions, heck, a lot of those places would pay more to start at some of the speedways than what you would go winning at some of the short tracks in the Bush series. Right. So <clears throat> the problem was all of our Bush guys started, this campaign, we're not a campaign, but they just all started raising hell about when you go to, we, we, we put on a show everywhere all over the country on Saturday nights. When it comes time for reward for us, you go to Charlotte or Dover or whatever and you, for the big money. Well, guess what? You would show up at the racetrack. There was Daryl Walter. There was Harry Gant. There was Dale Earnhardt. There was Tim Richmond. There was Jeff Bodine, right? Uh, there was Neil Bonnet. All these cup guys would be there running those races right run that race with us and you know, for the most part they would they would dominate those races uh you know most time they would they were the ones who took home the big money so all of our bush regulars started a camp or not a campaign but they just really started raising cane about you know we're, we're getting treated bad because the way this thing the way the money is structured the way it works so you know and i was one always come interview me about it i was like well you know, my aspiration is a little different from some of these guys. I want to be a cup driver. And the only way I can be a cup driver is to prove that I can run with Dale Earnhardt or Daryl Waltrip at Charlotte or at Darlington or at Daytona. And that's, that's kind of the way it worked out for me. Again, that's how I got into cup because I, I, I did okay on those speedway races. Well, the, and it kind of got me in a little trouble. I had some, a few, a couple of heated conversations with a couple of our regulars about that. And, you know, and I try to explain my side and they didn't really, really want to hear it. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them a bit because they had their sides, but that's the way, you know, that's, that's the way that thing worked. And, and actually it, it got so far, they, they listened. We, everybody complained enough to where finally, you know, at Charlotte, that first time we showed up, if you had, man, I forget what the deal was, but a cup guy, there's only so many cup guys could qualify for the Charlotte race, you know? And that, that was the first time it was a pretty bad deal. I mean, it was only like, I forget how it worked. The historians at list mass cast can tell me how it was, but it seems to me it was like, there's only like maybe two or three cup drivers could actually qualify for that race. 
So right. they, they put a cap on it. So it was NASCAR. They put, put a cap, cap on, on it okay. somehow or another. And I forget because we had heat races. We did a bunch of different things. It was something oh, about God. points, something about qualifying, and all that stuff that went on. <clears throat> and that the first time they did it, I mean, it was a pretty bad deal. And, and Humpy, Humpy caught so much grief from so many people in the Cup Series about it that the next time for the next race there, those rules got relaxed. They still kept it on somehow. But it was it was it was it was not near as bad as it was that first race, right? All the Bush guys were happy about it, but the Cup guys were furious about it. And uh, so the next time we went back to Charlotte, they changed a little bit, and it, that went on like that for I don't know two or three or four years, the way that was, and then it finally kind of went by the wayside. So, uh, but yeah, we used to have the what they call the hooligan race. That's what I was. And I forget how I, that was. When I started saying, "Oh God," that's what I literally was getting ready to say. The hooligan race at Charlotte, and I can't remember exactly how that was structured, but that was the weirdest. It was the goofiest thing, however it was set up. I remember yeah, and I don't remember. And it, but it was all, it was all about that. It was all about trying to limit the cup drivers that hooligan race. And I forget if you maybe you couldn't qualify. You had to run the hooligan. I don't. I tell you a real quick story. You know, a side note, a Harry Gant story. We were at Charlotte once, and he. Somehow or another, we're qualifying, and somehow or another, if you didn't have a certain speed or something, then you had to run the hooligan race, which would be like, well, I shouldn't say it like that. He top, take the top fastest 20 cars, and everybody else has to run the hooligan. Or it's some kind of deal. If you're a cup driver, you know, you wasn't about just getting in the top 20 on speed. You had to be the fastest or second, I don't know, second fastest or something. Anyhow, Harry, he's driving Mitt Whitaker's car, this number seven skull car, and Harry had qualified put a qualifying lap down it that got him out of running the hooligan race so i go by harry's truck there after the qualifying he's sitting there on his chair like he always did i said harry it's a good lap he said yeah he says uh i didn't run near as fast as that as, as fast in practice i said yeah how'd you do that he said let me tell you how i did that rick he said i took a green flag i come down in turn one and you know you go through two through turns one and two there way in those days with those cars wide open without lifting pretty good if your car is balanced decent you go through there pretty good wide open yeah, he, he still got to be a little bit ballsy, a little moxie and make it. But three and four is just about impossible. You could do it, but everything had to be 10 tenths, your chassis, the way you drove it. Everything had to be right to get through three and four without lifting. So anyhow, he, he, he tells me, he goes in turn one, he holds it wide open. He said, I didn't really want to do that, but I held it wide open. He said, it stuck pretty good. He said, so I go down the back stretch and I'm thinking to myself now, when I go into turn three, if I, if I lift, I'm going to have to run the hooligan race. He said, but if I hold this thing wide open, and get through there, I probably have good enough speed not to run the hooligan race. He said, but then I got to thinking, if I do hold it wide open, chances are I'm probably going to lose it, lose control, and we'll hit that wall. And I don't really want to hit the wall. Anyhow, Harry goes through this five-minute litany of thoughts he had <laughs> going down the back stretch. So what's it take you? Three seconds to go down the back stretch yeah. at Charlotte, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but it, it, he had five minutes of thoughts <laughs> that he had in his brain worked out for three seconds of traveling to get into turn three whether he's going to lift or not and he said he kept telling me about it telling me about it he says finally he says you know what i did rick i said what and he pointed down at his accelerator foot he said i curled my toes i said well, you did what he said i curled my toes i said what do you mean he said i went in that turn and he said i left it wide open he said but i curled my toes up and back towards me i said well, what'd that do harry he said that made me think i was lifting when really in essence i didn't lift <laughs> <laughs> I sat there. For, I, I sat there for a second and kind of, you know, consumed what he just told me. And I think I laughed and just shook my head and walked away. And I'm like, goodness gracious, a life. 
if you is it, if you got to go through all this to be a cup driver, I've got a lot of a lot of things I got to learn yet. Yeah, that's that's pretty. So he basically he had a, he had a whole five minute conversation and convinced himself that he wasn't that he was lifting that he wasn't going to lift. And at the okay. last at the last second, he finally figured out he just curled his toes uh, up yeah. to make you think he was lifting, that's and he never good. lifted. That's pretty. That's, that, it's kind of genius, really. Oh, it's pretty genius because that's Harry Gant. I'm yeah. telling you, that's Harry Gant. He had more genius stories like that. We'll try to try to maybe ever ever maybe need to start doing a deal Harry Gant isms, or yeah. maybe every every two or three episodes I give you a Harry Gant ism because you will die. You will lay in the floor laughing oh, at this yeah. dude. No, definitely, definitely. By the way, it's we should also mention there wasn't ever actually a sanctioned event called the Hooligan Race at Charlotte. This was just no. known amongst drivers that that's what it was called. Who named yeah, it? Hooligan everybody got tore up in that thing. Right. You know, yeah. it's kind of like the heat races used to be for the big late model deal in Martinsville. You'd have a hundred cars trying to vibe for 20 spots, you know, and you have a few laps to get it done in and everybody's just crazy the way they drove and heck stuff would get tore up. You'd wreck and just all kinds of deals. So you didn't want to, you did not want to be in that hooligan race, but yeah. who named know, it the hooligan race? You know, I have no idea, but once somebody said it, it went through the garage like wildfire. Whoever, whoever come up, I'm going to tell you how the deal worked in those days. Whoever come up with it and the, the amount of nerves you had and the tension that everybody had for that particular heat race or qualifying race, whoever come up with it, if they come up with it at 10 o'clock in the garage, somebody said it at 10 o'clock in the garage that morning, I guarantee you by two o'clock that evening, a hundred percent of everybody, everybody in that Bush Grand National Garage knew that was the hooligan race. That's just the way it worked. It, I, it, it was to the point that even I, as a kid, when we showed up at Charlotte for that race, even I knew, me, mom, everybody, literally everybody in the garage, families, crew members, everybody just referred to it casually as the hooligan race just because it was so silly. <clears throat> and, yeah, like you said, and with, like, clockwork every year, everybody get their stuff torn up in that race trying to trying to make it into the show. I'm, I don't even know where to begin to look on the Internet to have to find out, like, what they actually called that thing. It had to be, like, a last chance kind of Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, something like yeah that. it was something like that. I tell you the truth, once it once that name stuck, I think Humpy, Humpy took it and ran with it, though, Ricky. I probably which is, did. Which is something Humpy would have done, exactly. Well, speaking of Humpy, <laughs> I saw this on Twitter the other day. It's kind of going along with our whole discussion here. Uh, Matt Weaver at Matt Weaver AW on Twitter. He, uh, he says, I just asked Humpy Wheeler about the future of NASCAR and what he wants it to look like in 2020 and beyond. Oh boy. He's going on a lengthy monologue about the, about a concept quote, NASCAR international. That's basically F1, but NASCAR 30 races, half in the United States and half internationally. Now that is the Humpy Wheeler. I know and love right there. It just a oh, crazy, the crazy. I read all that the box. Oh, did you? Yeah, I read all that. And I'm like, Humpy. Go back to bed, you know, <laughs> you retire, you retired now. Go back to bed. I know exactly where he's coming from, where Humpy's coming from is Humpy's world of promotion. You know, his whole deal was tickets, toilets, and traffic. That's what he always said. Three, the big thing about promoting a racetrack is the three T's tickets, toilet <laughs> and traffic. Mm -hmm. But, but, but Humpy was one of those, one of those guys and we all know him and he, Pumpy was always, always thinking outside of the box, how to promote the Charlotte races. I mean, there was nobody close to him in his era and he was always out of the box thinking about what to do. And he, and he, he did all that stuff. Right. So now, you know, when I ask him a question like that, that's humpyism. That's thinking outside of the box. You know, whether it's right or wrong, that's a whole separate debate. Right. right. But, but it's what I've always termed as humpyism. 
You know? I love it. I love. It. I don't. I don't get me wrong. I don't want to see that that actual plan I just read there. That is not what I want to see. I just love him and his. I love that train of thinking of just thinking of thinking up these crazy wild ideas because not all of them are going to be good. Not all of them are going to work. A lot of them aren't even ever going to see the light of day. Oh. But that kind of thinking, I think, was what sparks the, the ideas that do work and can helps you helps helps well, you keep moving forward with whatever you're doing. So I. And Certainly. it was good to see. He was at Eldora, too, by the way. Which he I, was. It was good to see him out there, you know? And that's when he got on his tirade. He watched the waves. He got yeah. all excited. That, that took him back to his younger roots with Curtis Turner, you know, and Ned Jerk slinging dirt at Metrolina Speedway in a cup car in the 60s, right? Mm-hmm. That took him back to his roots. And he got all excited and all pumped up. And his juices got to flowing. And he's like, man, what can we do now, right? And I think he had a few minutes to think about it, and he just – Cause Humpy didn't, it did take a lot of time for Humpy to think of something, right? Yeah. Humpy get a little, just a little tiny spark of an idea. And he would run with that idea to come up with something. It didn't take him maybe five or 10 minutes to come up with it. When he did, he was full bore going to do it. It was, it was a darndest thing. It was a, it was a neat period to be there watching all the Humpy world stuff. The Charlotte pre-race shows on the front stretch back in Humpy's days. And I'm not saying they don't still do a great job now, but I'm telling you some of that stuff when he was first coming up with it, was while there was stuff even before I probably before I was even old enough to to know what was going on, like with the the guy in the school the school bus jumping all the cars and and all that kind of stuff like that. That was crazy. The ones that stick out to me in the '90s were when he literally had like these military exhibitions on the front stretch, and I don't mean like when you yeah, say military exhibition, I ain't talking about like oh everybody, all you know you get soldiers out there marching doing the the that kind of demonstration. No, I mean they had helicopters and mock explosions. And like it was oh, an yeah, invasion, yeah. an inva- like a mock invasion with all the, 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 the boom and bang and all this equipment, tanks and everything else. I mean, you'd just be sitting there watching it going, what in the, like what, who even dreams this up? Well, it's humpy. And then, like, how did he even come up with this? And then not only that, not only did, where did he come up with this, but how did he actually make this happen? Where do you hire Somebody to put on a fake military battle. Well, you know? I, I tell you, I don't know that they were fake, Ricky. He oh. had a good friend. He had a good friend. Uh, oh, man. what was? I don't forgot his name. He's died. I, I mean, I knew him very well all those years. He was a retired military general. He used okay. to be on John Boy and Billy all the time, and he was always at the races. And he was instrumental in starting Speedway Charities, the Speedway Children's Charities deal. You know, they do. Okay. Uh, oh, man. I apologize for everybody for me not remembering his name, but he was, uh, in fact, when it all started, he might've still been active, but this guy, this guy swung a big stick with the military. Okay. And in those days, you know, uh, it was a lot easier to do things than what it is now. You know, the Congress and all the goody two, two shoes. said we can't spend a dollar on gas flying an airplane over the racetrack anymore. But anyhow, that, that was, uh, that was a deal, oh, man. I'm I'm really upset. I yeah, can't remember. I, when you said John Boy and Billy, it's I can yeah. picture the guy too, and I can't think oh, of his yeah. name. Yeah, so. but but he's but he I think he was the end to make this all happen. I don't think you weren't looking at actors, Ricky. These were these weren't actors. Those Apaches and those tanks running up down the damn infield. They they weren't they weren't movie props. These these were oh, real things. Yeah. Now now about the explosives and the the ammo, you know they shoot them rifles and the ammo. I'm sure all it was blank. But to some explosive stuff, that wasn't, I mean, it was, of course, watered way, way down. Right. But it was still, it was still pretty spectacular. And it was the damnedest thing you ever saw when he, when he did that. But, you know, nobody's surprised. I said, what's Humpy going to come up with this time? But I think that was his, 
I think that was his, probably his best one. That was probably the best. That one was pretty good. Now this is, and I love Humpy. I, 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 it was so good to see him like on TV at Eldora the other night. I just thought it was awesome. But this is one that kind of went. This is a little story I remember from mid '90s when uh, they they had put in. They just built these brand new garages, I believe, in the infield at Charlotte, right? Or not yep. the infield, just new garage area. Yeah. And there was some deal where, because like with families and crew members and everybody, <clears throat> well, but mainly crew members, everybody has their, their credential, the annual pass, and that gets yep. you into the racetrack at every racetrack. That is your pass you have with you all year long that gets you in. It wasn't like you had to, you. There wasn't any extra admission to to pay to get into each track or anything. It was just your your hard card, your credential that got you in. Well, one year that year, y'all showed up to Charlotte with these brand new garage areas, and they were charging everybody to get in the track. And I don't even know. It might have been five, ten bucks, whatever it was. It was ten. It was. It was. Uh, oh, you remember this then? Oh, yeah, damn right. I remember. It's twenty bucks. Oh, it was twenty bucks. Okay, there you yeah. go. And so you know who I'm getting ready to talk about and what they did when they found out that this was. Well, don't give the name out. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not going to give the okay. name out. I'm not going to give the name out. And maybe, maybe I'm not remembering the story right. But this is how I remember it was. A crew chief, uh, a prominent crew chief, was was uh, got wind of this, or maybe they charged him twenty bucks. Or, he didn't get wind. He got charged like everybody. Got, else. Let, got, when we let me tell you something. When we got in the garage there, you talk about wet, mad wet hens, or madder yeah. than a wet hen, as we talked about that before. I mean, son, it was like it was like it was almost like a riot in there. I mean, everybody, yes. couldn't nobody get no work done, get any work done in the cars because everybody's fuming mad that they had to give fork over twenty bucks to mm-hmm. the gate guard to get in the freaking racetrack to. You were sitting there. You were paying to put on the show. It right. was ridiculous. But go ahead. Well, no, no, no. You know what? You I see. I didn't know if you were going to remember it or not. So why don't you tell? Well, you go ahead and say what what the uh, the, this person. Well, they did. had just they, they had redone the they had redone the garage the the infield and had these very very nice modern garages done right. And we roll in there and the floors are all they got nice. I mean, you know, before that was pretty dinky there, but they built these man exquisite garage areas. I mean, nice. I remember forget real blue, real beautiful blue, blue. colored epoxy yep. on the on concrete on the, in the garage area, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's just a magnificent, really magnificent from what for at that time for what we were doing. But anyhow, we were sitting there and everybody's mad and everybody's got their cars unloaded and they got them jacked up and I don't know. You could just see everybody talk to is matter matter and hell about this. So right beside me was a was a team, and I'm not going to say who it was, but it was a prominent team and a prominent crew chief. In fact, the crew chief is still very very prominent in their sport not as a crew chief any longer but he's still there he uh i know it's four or five people talking and i was sitting there listening in and that that crew chief says i'm gonna tell you what i think of this i'm gonna get my twenty dollars back said, how are you gonna do that and he walked over there and he come back with a big old sledgehammer he took that sledgehammer and busted the crap out of that nice beautiful epoxy blue floor i mean he did wasn't one hit either he i bet he hit that thing a dozen times or more he broke that floor all two pieces Took the hammer and the more he hit, the madder he got. Really, it's like he was <laughs> getting madder. So anyhow, when it was done, he took a hammer and threw it over, and he said, "Now there's your effing twenty dollars, Humpy. Come get that and <laughs> right. walk, walk away from us." But later that day, as bad as it got, I mean, it, I tell you how bad it was. Later that day, I was standing there and I looked up, and one of the track officials, not NASCAR, but one of the track guys that I knew there, come up. He said. Well, I say, I'm saying $20 bill. It could have been a $10 bill. I don't know. Anyhow, he handed me, say, a 20 or $10 bill. He said, here, Rick. I said, what's this? He said, Humpy feels bad about this deal. And he wants you, he want, he wants to, did, were you one of the ones that had to pay to come in? I said, yeah. He said, well, here. I said, what's that? He said, well, Humpy wants to reimburse you for that. I said, why is that? He said, well, 
He said, I'm not sure, but he just wants everybody had to pay to be reimbursed. And I told dude, I said, listen, man, keep that money. Take it back to Humpy. Say, Humpy, you need this money. $10, a hell of a lot worse than I need it. You just keep it, right? So, but anyhow, that's how bad the thing got. Humpy had to react within like three or four hours. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, it's like the deal that happened in Martinsville five or six years ago when, when they took away the Martinsville hot dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the Friday and by Sunday, Mike Hilton had to do a press conference, dude. We are to starting this morning or tomorrow night, tomorrow morning, Saturday night. Well, Saturday evening, I think he made the press conference. We will have the Martinsville hot dog back here by mornings, folks. Yeah, they had you to know? bring Jesse just, Jones back. Oh, they had to bring him back, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny how things in the garage area can 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 transform itself in such a short period of time. That's why I said a while ago when he said somebody said the hooligan race, or the the, the emotions and tensions about running that race. By a couple hours, everybody in the garage area, that's what it was known as, the hooligan race. It didn't take a week for this to happen. Something yeah. goes on in that garage area that, that fires those guys up. Man, it, it's a different world. It, it's it's fun to be a part of, to witness that. Yeah, it is. And it's funny, like you said, with uh, the crew chief busting up the floor and that whole the whole admission thing, that Humpy ended up later that day you know, reimbursing or trying to reimburse people. You think about it, that's way, way pre-internet and pre-social media days. That's just oh, word my of Lord. mouth and buzz. And oh. it, it got oh. bad enough that he had to he had to react that day. Can you imagine if Twitter had been around then? Oh. Every single crew oh. member would have had to pay that oh. extra money. Oh, my goodness oh. gracious. They'd have, been, they'd have had fans burning the racetrack. <laughs> they would have. They would have if been Twitter involved. was around in those days, you're right. Uh, that's just that's one of those uh, one of those if Twitter was around back then I'm I'm curious about well let's before we get off of here I do want to uh, hit up on one more thing here because we alluded to it earlier to it earlier and I don't want to skip over it the big three the quote unquote big three that we got right now with Martin right. Truex Jr. Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick and we've kind of talked about it a little bit before here on MassCast I don't know that we've ever referred to them as the big three but that's that's kind of the the term that's kind of sprouted up and I think it works. So going back to Twitter, at Seth Sharp 35 on Twitter, talking about the dominance of those three right now, I would advise you to, if you haven't already seen it, go check it out. Again, at Seth, 35, Seth, uh, Seth Sharp 35 on Twitter. He went through and compiled a list of moments and put them all together on his Twitter page of different times in Cup Series history since 1972 where over a certain, like a 30-race span or whatever, two to four drivers have dominated it's pretty interesting stuff. Like he said, 1973-1974, over a 32-race span, Richard Petty won 11, Cale Yarborough won 11, David Pearson won 7. So thirty went, out of 32 races, three guys won 94% of them, right? And right. then he goes on up through, I mean, he goes takes it all the way through, again, starting 72, all the way up till the present day. And I what I appreciated about it was I thought, you know, we're often guilty of, of looking back and always romanticizing about the good old days and how it used to be better. And don't get me wrong. I, that's the area I grew up in. That's the area you raced in. I think in a lot of ways it was better. I'm, you're probably not going to convince me otherwise, but for me, it was look, I was looking through the years going, man, in all these different eras starting in 19, in the early mid seventies, this sort of thing happens at, at certain times throughout NASCAR. And to, and to me, it's kind of, you start, look at those three names. I just said Pearson, Petty, Yarborough. Those are that's about as good as it gets right there. If you're going to pick out that's three right. names, right in any era, in that right. era, those are the three names. So that that's brings right. me back to I think I said this previously on MassCast, and we're talking about those three as as much as you know. I think we were talking about how we'd like, want to see the young guns start to break through and win. Let's not forget that we're witnessing something pretty special right now with three future Hall of Famers all at the top of their game 
every single week. And I know that it's it's sometimes we we it's like oh it's boring seeing the same people win every week. Well, yeah, it is it is boring. I'll tell you what, it is boring except for if you were a Jeff Gordon fan when he was dominating around ninety seven, ninety eight, and winning seemingly every week. I could get that it could be boring to some fans, but it wasn't to Jeff Gordon fans, obviously. But if you appreciate greatness, then it wasn't boring. But more importantly, if if you got more than one guy, if you got three guys that all have a chance of winning like every week like that, yeah, maybe those three are dominating, but you don't know which of the three is going to win each week, and they're they're bite, fighting it out amongst each other. It, we're witnessing something kind of special right now, is what I'm getting at. I mean, and you go yeah. back through the eras, this is not something that's just oh my god. 2018 NASCAR sucks so bad because these three are the only three that can win. This has happened a lot before. And you know what? The ones who were were part of it before were some pretty darn big names. That's the point is you got three huge names, three future Hall of Famers right now battling out. So let's try to appreciate that. Enjoy that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it goes back to this sometimes, Rick, the, the more things change, the more they stay the same. And I I give you another little thing about that. I, I was, I read a thing here a while back, and I, I knew this. I couldn't. I couldn't remember the years and all the. Well, I forgot already. But it's '74 or '75 when some domination going on. Bill France changed the rules that year five times during one season. I mean, how many times have we seen all our negative people the last few years fussing about NASCAR always changed the rules? Go back the way it was and leave the rules. Leave them alone. You know, we, 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 you've read it. I've read it. I've heard it. A lot of fans fuss about changing the rules all the time right now and the way we've been changing the rules. But I'm telling you, 19, either 74 or 75, Bill France changed the rules five times in one season to try to even up whatever was going on. And I forget, had something to do with Petty. I don't forget who it had to do with, but anyhow, he did that. So, you know, <laughs> you, you gotta be realistic and you gotta be factual when you're spouting this stuff. And a lot of people... You know, a lot of people are not really factual about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's I'm still sitting here flipping through this. It's just so interesting to me. I mean, I mentioned those first three, all Hall of Famers. Then you fast forward. Let's see. We go to 86, 87, right? You got Dale Earnhardt won nine times. Over a 27-race span, Dale Earnhardt won nine times, 10 Richmond, seven, and Dare Waltrip, three. So they won 70% of those 27 races. Those are three pretty darn big names. Uh, in 88-89, Rusty won 10, Waltrip won 7, Earnhardt won 4. That's yeah. 70%. I mean, the point yeah. is it's... It's it's always the same. It, it's always the same, and it just keeps on repeating and going going through here. Uh, that's... Uh, right. Yeah. It's pretty... Right. It's, it's, it's pretty. Honestly, I'm kind of enjoying it. Don't get me wrong. I want to see young guys break through. I want to see other guys win every now and then, but to me, it's kind of it's kind of neat, and it's not like all three are from the same team. They're from different organizations, and that's it's it's not a well, bad. Well, it, it's not a bad. Yeah, thing. I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of like Jimmy Johnson winning. What's he? What's he won seven championships, right, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you know, everybody fussed about Jimmy Johnson winning and boring and all that. And I'm like, guys, you don't you're not appreciating what you're seeing. You're seeing history in our sport being made. You're talking about a seven time friggin' champion here, dude. That you're sitting here in the prime of your life watching and and bitching about because you don't like him. Well. Guess what? Twenty years are going to look back like you say it. You when you say Richard Petty, you going and Dale Earnhardt, you're going to say Jimmy Johnson. It's just you know it's history. It's like these three: Truex, Bush, and 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 Harvick. The road they're on right now, you're witnessing history. I mean, that's what you're witnessing, and you know, like him or not, that's that's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Just got to try to embrace it as as best you can. And speaking of history, we'll we'll end with this. If you haven't already seen it, uh, we're giving Kyle Bush a lot of love today, or at least I am. 
the whoever kudos to whoever came up with their uh, their unveiling video for their their Darlington throwback scheme, the Skittles car. If you haven't already seen it, it's all over Joe Gibbs social media, Kyle Busch's social media. I'm sure NASCAR has probably reposted it by now. It's just a really really cool way. They they're it's a little bit of a spoiler alert here if you haven't already seen it. But basically they're gonna they're gonna redo the Ernie Irvin's Skittles car paint scheme from the '90s. Which I always really loved that car. I thought it was a cool looking car. And the video that they came up with is really, really awesome. And Ernie himself, Ernie Irvin is in it. And it, it's just cool to see him out there again. So if you haven't already seen that, I, I highly recommend it. And that leads me to my final point is at what, at what point, because Xfinity does the throwback schemes too. At what point, what's it going to take for us to get a Rick Mass throwback car? And... Maybe more importantly, if you were going to pick one, th- let's go with this. If you were going to pick one of your old paint schemes for some driver nowadays to to throw it back to, which one would you choose? I know which I, one I would, I would choose. But. I would have Canassi paint his one car black and green like the skull cart set on the pole at Indy. Oh. It's a brick. It was black and white. Black and white that year. Oh, it was black and white? Yeah. All right. Well, I would go, I would go with the black and green car, a skull car that finished second at Rockingham to Earnhardt. That was also black and white. Yep. Also All right, I would go with the black and green. <clears throat> won the pole at Dover 95. How about that? All right, I would go with black and green number one <laughs> that won the pole at Dover <laughs> 95. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, oh, that's oh a good by one. the way, we've, we've run over on a time. We're like a minute, an hour and a half now. I got to tell the folks. I was going today, but I ain't got time. Next week, I'm going to tell everybody about the – I guess you call it a barn farm. It ain't running around in a barn, but I, I oh, right yeah. down the road from me, a buddy of mine, right? And I knew he had them, but I never really paid attention. Man, he's got like 14 Penske. Well, I think it's 13 Penske cars and one Canassi car, the Coors Light car of Sterling Marlin. I mean, these cars are pristine prime. I put them out. I put pictures of them the other day, put them out on Twitter, and and people just going crazy over these things. But it's mm-hmm. cool as hell. We'll we'll talk about that next week. I we I will I will put that down. We definitely want to get into that because that's very cool. And you can check that out on Dad's Twitter at RickMast22. I'm at RickyMast if you want to follow me. And by the way, I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there because I'm I'm not gonna leave anybody hanging. Not that anybody cares, but if I were gonna pick one throwback scheme uh, of yours, I would pick the 1990 Raven Boats Buick that ran the Bush Grand National Series. That's oh, my, yeah. That oh, is, I, I agree with that. That blue and that's, white number 22. That's my favorite. Prettiest so, race car ever conceived. It really was. Now, even Chipper Jones commented on that on Twitter a while back, said it was a pretty ride. So if he, if well, he there says you have it, it. So there you have it. I mean, that's, there you have it. And if it, Chip, if Chipper, Chipper approves, we're set, baby. He's going in the Hall of Fame Sunday, so I think we're set. And we will see you next week. Thanks as always to everybody for listening. If you haven't already done so, please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on iTunes. It helps other folks discover the show. And God willing, and the creek don't rise, we will be back with you next week and hopefully on decent timing for once. Maybe. We'll see. Thanks, everybody. (laughs) 